0: Hey everybody, welcome to the mini-break by Cracked Rackets, your daily podcast for storylines, results, and controversy in the tennis world. Today is Friday, March 29th, and we're here for another pod, primarily recapping matches from Miami. My name is Jamie McDonald, and I'll be your host for today's action, and with me is not Gruskin again. Got rid of him. It's Matt Stokowiak. How are you, Matt?
1: Jamie, what's going on, man? We finally got rid of the rain down in Miami, got to see some good tennis, so... Exactly. Finally.
0: Yeah, we we get to hop right into it. It was weird today and uh, a couple days prior, all these round of 16 matches getting moved around and stuff, and right now we've still got doubles uh, delayed, and I assume to move till tomorrow, but yeah, hopefully, I don't know, hopefully they're able to just keep moving matches around. You've seen it a couple times already, they've moved some stadium matches to Grandstand just to get them on, but um, luckily we're able to play, so... Guess that's good news, right? Yeah,
1: they'll they'll get them all in. I mean, that's the benefit of having, you know, a tournament that's twelve days long or whatever it is. There's plenty of time to fit them in, so I think they'll catch up.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Well, in the spirit of moving right along and catching up, we have some catching up to do from our other mini breaks because Gruskin kindly informed me that he left us results from yesterday as well to talk through. So we gotta hop right in here. Um on the women's side of the draw. First, talking about the quarters, Pliskova took down Vondrasova 3-4, and four, and Hallop defeated Wang 4-5. and five. Both decently close sets, um, but, I mean, also pretty straightforward. The expected people won in these matches, and, you know, that's kind of how it's supposed to be.
1: Yeah, Pliskova and Hallop were definitely the favorites here. It's funny, Jamie, because... Earlier, I think last week, me and Gruskin were doing our little preview uh, of the draw. He picked Plishkova to go all the way to the finals and possibly even win the tournament. I had Halep in the final. So uh, it looks like those results are holding as of right now. I think they're actually on court as we speak. So we'll see who can come out on top in that in that semifinal. But yeah, both Plishkova and Halep are looking looking really strong so far in this tournament.
0: Yep, they are on court indeed. Listeners, as you know, we always record these the night before, um, and because of all the rain that we were talking about, things have been getting pushed back and back. Right now, Pushkova is serving at two all in the first, so things looking pretty steady from both ends there. I'll uh, definitely be cheering for Halep for you though, because once again, we don't like to give Gruskin anything.
1: Hey, thanks, Jamie. Always appreciate it, man.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. Well, and something that's so interesting about this match, hopefully, you know, after we hop off this, I'll be able to watch some of it as well. Um, just an extreme contrast of styles here. You know, like I, when you walk into this match, both of them know that they just have completely polar opposite games. I mean, how do you deal with that heading into a match?
1: I think each one of them is really just going to try to impose their style of play. For Pliskova, it's obviously her power game. She's she's going to want to go for winner's early in points, use her serve to dictate. And for Halep, I mean, it's just her consistency as always, right? I mean, she's going to move around the court well, dig balls back. And, you know, I don't think either one of them is going to want to stray away from what they do well. So, you know, whoever's feeling it more, uh, you know, right now uh, is probably going to come out on top. I mean, either one of them can win if they're playing well. So I I wouldn't be shocked to see this go either way.
0: Yeah, and with these, with this type of matchup too, it's just so interesting because you know Halip, I mean sure, there's definitely some c- control on her into the court. You know, if she's making a lot of balls, if she's pushing Pliskova back and not giving opportunities, um, you know, to step into the ball, that's great. However, so much of this match is just determined on Pliskova's racket.
1: Yeah, oh, a hundred percent. I mean, if she's serving well and just smacking winners from the baseline. There's really nothing you can do. She's one of those players that can, can take the racket out of your hands. So, yeah, if she's on, she's on. I wouldn't be shocked to see her win the tournament. But if those unforced errors start to creep in a little bit, I mean, that's where Halep's going to take advantage. And, you know, she could come away with the victory, too. So we'll see what exactly. happens. And, I
0: mean, yeah, I mean, Halep can run down pretty much anything. And Pliskova really... That's not her strength. It was really funny right before we hopped on this, too. I I grabbed a quote from uh, Chris Everett's on the call for that one, and she's talking about plush while they're warming up, and she goes, "Uh, Movement is not her biggest... (laughs) <laughs> pauses for like four seconds strength at the moment everyone's like just everyone's just like say your piece like we know she stands and slaps we get it and Halep runs around at the back of the court like we, we understand
1: <laughs> yeah that's that that could not be any more accurate I mean definitely yeah. <laughs> when when you think of Plishkova, you don't think of movement but you know sometimes no. if she's playing well she doesn't have to move that's the thing if she can exactly. just grip it and rip it and not have to move exactly. and and hit winners that's how she gets her her wins so uh we'll see how it goes
0: for sure. Well, okay, so that match that's on right now will determine one side of the finals. One side is already determined. That semi was Barty versus Kontovit, and Barty came on top three and three. So she is awaiting the winner of Plushka Van Halep, Um, and that one is sure to be a good final no matter what.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I really like Barty's game as well. She's crafty player, likes to slice, uh, come into the net, has really good hands at the net, excellent doubles player. And she's confident. She just cracked the top 10 in the world in the rankings. So I think Barty has all the confidence in the world. She could totally win this event.
0: Definitely. Well, that covers our women's draw. Be sure to stay tuned with us as we follow through this semi that's on core right now, and of course, the finals as we move through the tournament. Uh, but on the men's side, because there were a ton of good matches that also didn't get covered here, um, partially due to our guys not covering the matches and graciously leaving them for us, and also just because of the rain pushing back days. Um, so the first one we want to hop into is delayed match that happened yesterday um, from the round of 16, Medvedev and Federer. Um, you you watched most of this match, right? We talked about this a little bit.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, Federer just came out so focused. He knows, I think, that Medvedev can pose a lot of problems. Medvedev, for a guy who's like 6'6", just moves so well, puts a lot of balls back in the court, and can be a really tricky opponent. So Fed came out really sharp, knew that he had to play well in order to beat a guy like Medvedev. And, I mean, he took him out convincingly, 4-2, Fed served well, you know, he had the ground stroke game going, he was able to stay aggressive, and, you know, I don't know if Medvedev, it just seemed to me like he wasn't quite at the level with his movement that we've seen him, you know, in some of the earlier rounds. I don't know if fatigue started to set in a little bit or whatnot, but, um, you know, Medvedev's still a great player. I I love watching him play, but, yeah, all credit to Fed.
0: Yeah, and this was an interesting match, too, because, up until I mean that four four game, this match was just a server's delight. I mean, both were serving very well. Medvedev was holding just incredibly, just with incredible ease, honestly. Um, and so that's all was happening. And then suddenly, Federer, I mean, Federer got his opportunity, um, and then he was serving for the set five four. And I believe Medvedev, I could, I believe Medvedev was way up in that service game, like possibly even forty love when Fed was serving. Yeah, Fed gets it back and takes the set and then from there I mean I don't know if Medvedev is just a little dejected from not being able to capitalize on the opportunity or what but the second set really did not have the same sort of competitive spirit that like the most of the first set did anyway.
1: Yeah no that's definitely true I agree and and Fed's one of those guys that you know as we see with all the top players once they get that first break in the match their confidence just skyrockets. Yeah. It goes so high, and they
0: just—it's
1: like they just relax and they're like, "Okay, I got the break. I can settle in and play my game." And and that's kind of what happened here as well. I think.
0: Absolutely. I mean, well, Federer, of course, one of the best front runners in the sport. And you know, one thing too is just these guys that are playing the Federer, Djokovic, Nadal. I mean, it's in their head too because they know it's like, "Oh, if this guy gets a break, I'm screwed." And so that—that's just constant pressure that's on them. And so. You know, as soon as they're able to, you know, crack into the game a little bit, you know, even if it's a fifteen thirty, I mean, that's that's in the back of their head, and then they know that if they know if they give up any opportunity, that set at least and possibly even the match is close to over. So, um, definitely a good job by Federer, though he looked incredibly clean in that second set, particularly. He just did not let go of the momentum at all, and um, you know, he's through again. Um, So good performance from Roger, no doubt. But that leads us into the quarters because that was the final round of 16 match that had to get pushed today. And that's when we saw one of the young Canadians who's still in the draw. Felix Auger-Eliassime defeated Chorich, 6-2. Now, this was also another match where that first set was pretty tight. Second set, not so much.
1: Yeah, definitely. The first set was close. I mean, Felix, man, uh, this guy for an 18-year-old kid is just... He's unbelievable. I mean, mentally he looks so far ahead to me than some guys that we've seen in the past at his age. You know, now I think he's with this result, he's cracked the top 35 in the world and man, you know, he looks good in that breaker church to me, even though that first set was close, always looked like he was the one that was, you know, I don't want to say on the defensive. I mean, he plays that kind of a game anyway, but, Felix just always looked one step ahead to me, even in that first set. And once he got it, I mean, he he started to run away with it. The second set was I think you're right. second set was not close. I mean, let's be honest, yeah. it was six two. He he went up five one. Chorich ended up holding to make Felix uh, serve it out. But look, I, there's not enough good things that I can say about FAA man. I mean, I'm just excited about this guy. He's got all the shots. He can come into the net. I saw some outstanding net play from him. Good touch. Ground strokes are big. Serve, I think, you know, that's one of those things where I think he's like six four. His serve can definitely get bigger. That's one of the things that over the next few years all want to see out of him. But I mean, right definitely. now, he's in the semis of Miami, man. I mean, the kid's eighteen. Like, let's give him some credit.
0: Yeah, no, this is incredibly impressive. And, you know, not not only for someone who's eighteen, nineteen, twenty, when we're talking about these next-gen guys to, you know. Just get one good win, but to string them together like this is very impressive. Um, and you know, this this win was impressive on a lot of different levels for me. But I think, like you meant, like you alluded to, the mental aspect is incredible here. I mean, a seven six set. I mean, that that can go either way. But no matter what, he still looked confident the entire time. Chorich, even when it was tight in the first, did not look confident. Exactly. He looked off balance. He looked uncomfortable. He looked frustrated. Yep. You know, he just he just didn't look like he was going to win. You know, it didn't look like he was playing to win that match. Um, And I think that match was pretty much just over after the first set anyway. And um, Felix did a great job of capitalizing on the momentum and moving into the second. And um, I'm really excited, not only for this guy's future in the tournament, but you know, obviously throughout the year and many, many years to come, hopefully.
1: Well, and he's just fun to watch. I mean, I just, I get a lot of, I get a lot of enjoyment out of watching him play. I like his game style. I like his attitude on the court. And yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, this is this is just the beginning for Felix, man. I mean, he's going to be around for a while.
0: Yeah, and might I note, he has a great signature on the lens of the camera. Have you seen that? Oh, it's incredible. What is it? It's one of the best. Well, so it's he just does his initials FAA, but what he does is he does the F pretty big, and then he ties the line of the capital F. As the line in the, in both A's, it's it's okay. Slick. All right, all right. After. I'll check that out. It's it's nice. He's he's got some good encore swag already.
1: I'm telling you, man. Um, for for 18, he he's ahead of the game. He's ahead of the game.
0: Absolutely is. Um, well, anyway, we we spent enough time on this match, and we still have to talk about him in terms of what's going to happen in the semi. So we'll we'll get some more conversation on FA as we move through this. But to the next quarter, I want to talk about Isner taking out Bautista Agut after Bautista Agut had taken out Djokovic um in this tournament. Isner comes up with a pretty much the most John Isner win <laughs> you can get. 7-6-7-6. 7-6. <laughs>
1: hey. hey, just a routine match, right? I mean there's there's nothing to speak of here. 7-6-7-6. 7-6, Isner wins. He wins more tiebreakers. Alright, let's move on. No, I'm just kidding, man. It look, Isner, he's finding a way to win a lot of tiebreakers. I, I don't know how many sets he's played in this tournament so far, but almost all of them, I feel like every set he's played but one have gone to breakers and he's won them all. So he's clearly finding ways to win once he gets into the breaker. And, you know, he's defending his title here at Miami. I think this means this tournament means a little bit more to him maybe than some of the other ones. I don't know.
0: No, I think you're right. And I think it's it's fair to say, and we, we talked about this, before i think uh, i think you and me talked about this when he was playing at in Indian Wells too i mean this sort of surface really is just a, is a great one for john in his game and so it's no longer you know a fluke that he's doing well at these spring tournaments it's it's a great testament to how he's able to do on these courts he's able to dictate both with his serve and off the ground gives him a little more time his kick serves are huge you know it's i don't know it's it's great to see him succeed too because You know, you would love to see him get some momentum building up out of this and maybe even to the clay court season. I don't know. I mean, does he have a chance to make some good runs on the clay?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he could. Like you mentioned, his kick serve already. I mean, he's got the tools to be dangerous on every surface. It's just a matter of if he's hitting his spots with the serve or not, if his ground stroke game's feeling good. But yeah, I mean, right now, this, this is the time of year that he really enjoys playing on home soil. He always plays well in the U.S., and and specifically, you know, here at Miami. I don't know what it is, but he just he he's got away at this tournament. So, it's good to see him doing well. We still got an American in there, so, you know, hopefully exactly. he can keep it going.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, there's not terribly too much to say on this at least because, you know, it's a 7-6 7-6 no-break match <laughs> here. So, it is what it is, but uh we'll we'll move on as well cuz we still get to talk about him in terms of predictions as well. Um The quarterfinal that we just saw conclude, um, Federer takes out Anderson 6-0, 6-4. A convincing first set from Federer. He looked great.
1: Oh, I mean, this was as convincing of a set as I can really remember Federer playing in in a long time. And look, I want to say, you know, to Kevin Anderson, I mean, he's coming back from injury. I think he did very well to make the quarters of this tournament. So, you know, I don't want to... You know, beat down on him too bad. Good job to, to Anderson. He's a great player, but Federer was was just on a completely a, a different level. He was phenomenal serving, returning, especially you know his ground strokes. He was really mixing it up with the slice, hitting some. He was hitting a ton of slice. Ton of slice. I think they showed. I
0: think they showed the statistic. I think it in the first set. Um, I think he hit, I, I want to say it was like 69% of his backhands were sliced. It's
1: so That's smart, crazy. so smart against Anderson, though, who doesn't yeah. really like to move forward much mm-hmm. and, and get down. He Anderson's so big that he just doesn't want to get down and hit those low balls. And, you know, Federer can can easily expose that. You know, he's got one of the best slices the game's ever seen. So, yeah, no, Fed is really cooking. I mean, he's playing as well right now as as I can really remember him in quite some time.
0: Yeah, he looks good, and and I hope too. I mean, we saw this with look at Andreescu, and of course, Team as well. I mean, they got burnt out. It looked like from their Indian Wells runs. Um, but you know, Federer, do you think he's showing signs of that same fatigue that we saw with Team and Andreescu?
1: Oh, definitely not. We would have to say no, right? I mean, he looks. I, mean, I think so. He looks good. He looks pretty fresh to me, and that's one of the amazing things. You know, like you mentioned, Team. He bombs out in in his first match here at Miami after winning Indian Wells. Federer's always been one of those guys that just doesn't seem like he gets gets tired. He goes deep in every single event, and then he comes back the next week and does it again. I mean, it's rare, especially at his age, 37 years old, and he's doing this. I mean, look, man... you know, Gruskin, you know, we always talk about how long are, are the big three going to stick around? They're old. When are, you know, they're washed up, whatever it is. I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm enjoying every single match that I can watch these guys play because they just, they do things that we may never really see again.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, that's just incredible recovery on his part. And, you know, I'm sure he's got the best, you know, coaching, uh, hydration, nutrition you've ever seen, but it's still impressive nonetheless, especially when you have other top tier athletes who just seem like they're not able to do the same. So, and part of that's a testament, of course, to his game style and, you know, how he's able to, you know, keep himself in shape this long anyway, but it's nonetheless just very impressive from Federer. And so, you know, I, I don't expect him to look super fatigued in the next match because he got through this one with relative ease. Yep. Completely, yeah, com- com-
1: completely agree
0: but this one this next match we have our final quarterfinal match on the men's side. This one was not an easy match at all. Shapovalov gets through, taking out Tiafo, 6-7 drops that first set in a breaker and then goes on to win 6-4 6-2. Um did you I think we talked about this a little. Did you watch the whole match here?
1: Yeah, I watched this one and I mean there was some massive hitting going on. I mean these guys were was, yeah. they were just crushing the ball. I mean it was fun to watch. I really enjoy watching these guys play. And, and Francis did really well in a tight first set to sneak out that breaker. Um, you know, found a way to to hit an unbelievable return on set point and sneak out no, that. That was crazy. Unbelievable return, sneaks out that breaker. But Dennis is resilient. I mean, he just keeps coming at you. And, and for another young guy, a teenager, that's something that I really admire about him as well. I mean, he can lose sets but he's going to keep coming. He's going to play his game. He's going to hit big off the ground. And I do have to say Dennis's serve is something else, man. I mean that lefty serve when he is popping it and hitting his spots. I mean, the guy is really, really hard to beat. And I think in the third set, he served at some ridiculous 80% first serves or something in the third set. I mean, I'm sorry. You're just not going to beat the guy when he's serving that well. He's too good.
0: Yeah, you're certainly not going to break him. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, he he looked very very good off that serve, and um, you, you know, it's interesting too, just from a mental aspect. I know we talked about you know Shapavlov's good friend, of course, FAA, and that mental strength there, and at least the mental maturity. And you know, Shapavlov, I think it's interesting when you see him in in matches, he does show a lot of emotion, and so I think sometimes that does get misconstrued as immaturity. But this guy mentally. He gets locked in in the matches, yeah. and it's awesome to see. You know, he he drops this first set. I think he went off court to take a quick break. I'm not positive. I think he asked the ump about it. I never got to see if he actually did or not. But I mean, he comes out in that second set, and granted, he did let it slip a little bit. I mean, he got up. I think he sir. I think he was serving four one and got up five one in that second set. Yep. Um, granted, Tiago got one of those breaks back, but still, I mean, the, the resilience there to lose a set and come back and say no, we're good, and come out to that you know commanding lead you know, that, that shows a lot of promise not only for you know his chances in this tournament but much much beyond
1: that yeah he's mentally strong i mean there's no question about it i've seen him co- i've seen him come from a set down several times and and he doesn't waver from his game plan it's he's so confident in what he's doing on the court he trusts himself and yeah no i mean 19 years old or not he's he's definitely mentally strong
0: no, that's true. And, and well, it's interesting you bring that up, the the, the whole thing where he, he does trust his game. And he's he's he knows he's just going to rip the ball, right? That's what he does. Yep. As we move into yep. the semis here, you know, he's got Fed next. Does that sort of mentality, does that hurt him when he goes up against someone like Federer? Where he's just like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to trust it and here we go?
1: I mean, what's the alternative, right? I mean, do you want him to play a game that he's not really comfortable with. I don't know. I mean, I like it. It it to answer your question, I think it it may hurt him, you know, against a guy like Fed or Rafa or Joker because he's he's probably going to end up making, you know, some errors that those guys are really going to capitalize on and it's going to cost him. But I think in the bigger picture, he's got to stick with that because First of all, that's what got him to this point. He's in the semifinals in Miami now. Right? How did he get there? You know, by playing right. his game. I don't want to see him stray away from that. But it's a fair point to bring up. I understand what you're saying, and I think that is valid. But I just don't know. Like, if I was coaching him, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to take him too much out of his own game. You know what I mean? Sure. Absolutely. No.
0: And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I should clarify there.
1: I don't mean you know to say that.
0: You know, he shouldn't trust his ground game and ripping the ball because that, that's what he's got to do. But at a certain point, you know, we have seen him in matches where, you know, hey, I mean, nobody has a perfect night, right? You know, there, it, it happens where some nights are really good and close to perfect. Some nights are not great. And I've seen him play matches where he could have been in the match, but he just kept trying to rip the ball right at the lines and he just kept air after air after air and didn't really seem like he amended his game and adapted that much. And so I just don't know if someone like Federer who throws in so much variety and seems like he always has a secondary plan if something isn't working. I don't know if that that hurts him in this matchup at all. And
1: Yeah, I mean, know. it's tough against those, those top, top guys. And I think, you know, to your point, that's probably what's separating him from being, you know, whatever he is, top 25 in the world right now to top 10 in the world. You know, if we're honest, that's probably the difference between where he's at and where he could be just because, like you mentioned... He may not be as willing as some other players to, you know, adapt on the fly and make the changes when he needs to.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's definitely fair. But, you know, as we're talking about it right now, I think it's fair to say, I mean, I don't know, at least my, my opinion is fairly clear here, that the two semis that we've got set, Federer and Shapovalov and Isner, and of course, the other young Canadian FAA, which is more enticing to watch for you.
1: See, for me, this may actually surprise you, but I'm super interested in Isner FAA. Well,
0: good. I'll take the other
1: one. I just – I really am because – well, I knew you were going to take the other one, and that's why I said it may shock you a little bit. But Isner FAA, man, it's just – to me, it's such an interesting matchup because Felix has so much game. How is he going to be able to impact the Isner serves? I mean, I want to see him – Try to figure that out a little bit. And if they do get into a breaker, I mean, Felix looked really good against Chorich when they played that first set tiebreaker. Isner's been great in his tiebreakers. How does that go if they, if they do end up going into breakers? So to me, yeah. you know, the whole storyline, Isner trying to defend Miami, FAA, 18-year-old kid in the semis for the first time, you know, he's at a career-high ranking right now. I think that's just a super interesting matchup because whoever wins, I mean, John either John Isner is either going to be in the Miami Open final for the second straight year or Felix is going to be in the final of a Masters 1000. To me, True. that's super enticing.
0: No, you're right. That that definitely is, you know, the storyline, this both either storyline there is is awesome for sure. And it's always interesting to me trying to preview matches where you're going against Isner because like what do you say? Like, hope you return well? I mean, I, I mean, I guess it's like, yeah, if you take care of your serve, okay, let's see how you do in the tiebreak. You know, it's just, it's kind of difficult to say sometimes. So this is one of those matches where, like, somebody texts me when it's 6-6 and I'll turn it on,
1: right? <laughs> I mean, maybe, though. See, that's, that's what I don't, I mean, I don't know for sure. I mean, it's possible that that could happen, but, I mean, I think Felix might have something to say about that. He's going to try to find ways to impact Isner's serve, but... I mean, obviously, if John is just ripping him in there and he's feeling it, then it's going to be tough sledding. So we'll see.
0: For sure. Well, that leads to the other one we were already sort of hypothetically talking about it in any sense. Um, but the Federer-Shapovalov match, I mean, I, I'm super excited to watch this one. And, um, you know, it, it's just it's such an interesting clash on all levels. You know, it's, it's the older guy against the younger guy. It's, you know, some guy who's hitting with raw power versus, you know, the guy we we see as the epitome of, you know, the variety and grace on the court. And so it's it's pretty much from all angles, this is going to be a lot of fun. You know, there's tons of, you know, one-handed backhand battles. There's all sorts of, you know, who's going to serve better. You know, Shapovalov with pure firepower like we've seen in these last couple matches, fed with just the incredible placement we know um, that he he always brings to the court, it seems like. You know, there, there's just so many things going on in this match, and I'm really interested to see how these points go once it gets started. You know, from, from, both these guys are going to serve well on certain points. We know that. But once the once the point is sort of in a neutral position, I really am anxious to see how these points go.
1: Yeah, I mean... And again, to your point, if it gets in a neutral position, that's definitely advantage Federer. I think Dennis has to take the, the aggressiveness, you know, and take it to Roger early. I mean, early in points. He needs to jump on him fast because the longer the rally goes, Roger's going to find a way to break him down. That's just that's just the fact of the matter. I think if Chapo's going to have success, like you mentioned, he's going to use his serve and then he's going to have to go big off that next ball because, yeah. you know, I just, I feel like if they're at neutral, that's big advantage fed yeah. for me.
0: No, I think, I think that's fair. And what's something in my mind, I mean, I could be totally off here, but you know, the, the way I see this match from this perspective, it's, it's really odd because you look at this matchup and you're like, okay, you got Federer and Pavlov. One guy, Federer, seems like he has multiple ways that he could come out winning this match. Shapovalov, to me, it looks like he's pretty much only got one way. He's going to rip the ball and he's going to have a great day and he's going to hit winners left and right and that's going to be it. Federer, though, I feel like Federer can take the offensive position. He can hit winners. He can come to the net. He can close off points. He can, you know, throw, he could also throw weird variety in there, throw a ton of slice, make him uncomfortable, come to the net a lot. You know, then he could also just, you know, do what Federer used to do a ton. Make longer points. Wait for Shapovalov to miss if he's not having a perfect game. You know, with that variety, as I mentioned, you know, do a lot of sort of those shorter slices like we saw against Anderson today. Get him to come in. Get him uncomfortable. You know, I I just feel like there's so many different ways Federer has to play this match versus Shapovalov, like we kind of talked about earlier. I feel like he's only got one way to win this.
1: Yeah, I, I actually completely agree with that. Nicely said.
0: Well, fair enough. That's usually yeah, that's nice to hear. You know, it's usually gruskin. It's like,
1: well, yeah,
0: actually, yeah. <laughs> no. I know. I mean, comes back with me. <laughs> I, I,
1: I could, I could basically just, you know, add on to that. But no, I mean, I, I agree with everything you just said. I, I really do. That was well said. Well, that,
0: that is refreshing. Um, you know, as we talk about this too, you know, you know, we, we see. I don't know. There's just so many different options at this point. So many different storylines that could come out of the tournament, you know, because we have super well, not super. That's rude to Federer. We got old guys and young guys. (laughs) You know, it's like my. So (laughs) when you look just simply at the age disparity between these guys, uh, my first question for you, Matt, is: Does a teenager? You know, we've got the 18 and the 19 year olds. Does a teenager have a legitimate chance to win this tournament?
1: I mean, I think. I think we have to say yes, right? There's two of them in the semifinals, two out of the final four. So, um, you know, is it probable? I would say no. But do they have a legitimate chance? Yeah, they do. I mean, there's two of them, Felix and Dennis. They're both playing really well right now. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see either one of them win it. I mean, they've gotten this far. They're, They're playing well. If they keep it up, they could definitely win it.
0: And, and for right now, if, if you had to pick one of the two teenagers, you say you got to pick one of them who's going to win your tournament, who are you picking?
1: I would pick Felix because I think, I think, so, I think he's got a better shot in the semifinal against Isner than Chapo does against Fed.
0: Exactly. No, I, I think you're totally right because, yeah, I mean, that's, that's two tough matches for Shapovalov. Very, very tough. And not to say that Felix doesn't have tough matches, but, you know, I mean, look, I, I feel like anytime someone's going up against Federer, the other side of the draw is probably at some sort of benefit, right? right? So I, I I totally agree on that one. Um, but that leads me to my next question. We've got these four semifinalists, very different scenarios, not only in their career but also just sort of in 2019 in general. So I mean, you've got Isner, who's the defending champ and has already made it back to the semis, looking to try and defend that title. You've got Federer, who you know is trying to start this 20, 2019 campaign off really well. And, you know, trying to build some momentum because he did announce that he's going to play in clay. Then you've also got the two young Canadians who are trying to make their mark on these bigger tournaments. I mean, in your opinion, who's got the most pressure to win this event out of the four guys remaining?
1: Yeah, that's a tough question. Cause you know, all of them have their, their situations that are a little bit different, but I think it's gotta be one of the older guys for sure. And maybe, maybe even Isner because he's trying to defend the title. I I think Federer is really not trying to put any pressure on himself. I mean, look, the guy's won 100 titles, right? What what yeah. pressure is there at this point? He's 37 years old. He should really never feel pressure at this point in his career. He's done everything there is to do. He's the GOAT. Um, for Isner, he's trying to defend 1,000 points at Miami. So I think he may actually have the most pressure. The two young guys, to me, should not have any pressure. I mean, Felix phenomenal tournament he qualified he's played a bunch of matches he's at a career high ranking now phenomenal result for him he shouldn't feel any pressure whatsoever and same thing with Shapo, really i mean guys 19 years old he's in the semis of Miami he's got a long career ahead of him there's not really a ton of pressure here he's playing fed in the semis i mean just go out let it rip play your best and you know he's got a chance against him but um I would say when it comes to the pressure, the two older guys should be feeling it more than the young guys.
0: No, I I absolutely agree. I think it's got to be one of the older guys in my head. I was giving it like maybe like a 10, 15% possible margin for Federer just because I was like, well, you know, he's trying to, you know, we don't know how many years he's got left. He's trying to get as many titles as he can, but you're right. I mean, he's done it all literally in every metric you could possibly want prize money, 1000 titles, majors, you know, every result this guy has. So I think you're right there. And Isner definitely does not only just in the, you know, exact sort of, I got to get these points back if I want to keep my ranking up and keep, you know, rising, but also just sort of their reputation thing, you know, and got to have some confidence going into that clay court season. So I totally agree. And, like you said, as we talk about these young guys more and more, at this point, even if they both lose, you know, this has been a this is a great run for both of them, um, and so really no pressure there. I, I totally agree. But as we talk more and more about these young guys, I got two sort of young man questions for you. That well, the next one doesn't necessarily have to be one of the young guys, but two more questions for you, and then we are going to get out of here. All right? Yep. Let's do it, man. All right. So you know, we talk about the young guys and. Whether it's the next gen guys who are 18, 19, 20, or it's what we call the lost generation, you know, the 24, or 25, 26, whatever, all of these guys just have not been able to get through the Fed, Djokovic, and Nadal, and, you know, Murray before it was hurt as well, and in terms of grabbing those major titles. In 2019, will someone not named Fed, Djokovic, or Nadal win a major? No, no. You don't know, think I, so. I, I wow, that was, can, that was, that, wow, okay, that
1: was complicated. Here's the thing I just, I can't. I haven't seen anything that would give me the confidence to say yes in a two-week tournament, three out of five sets for seven straight matches at a slam. It's the toughest thing to do, in my opinion, maybe in all of sports, is to win a Grand Slam. It's 14 days, seven straight matches, three out of five sets every single time. I just I haven't seen anything to where I could bet against the big three. I mean, I would, I would not. I think it'd be stupid to, to bet against him.
0: Wow. So then, so if we're mapping out the rest of 2019 here, what do you have? Nadal at Roland Garros, Fed at Wimbledon, and then Djokovic at the US Open? Or I mean, what, I, what are I, we looking at here?
1: I could see it going that way. For sure, Rafa at Roland Garros, if he's healthy. Remember, mm-hmm. you know, he had to pull out... Um, a couple weeks ago. So we'll see. Hopefully he can come back on the clay and be healthy. If he is, to me, he's got to be the favorite going going into Roland Garros. And then on the grass, I mean, if not fed, it could be Joker. I mean, he's the defending champ. He won it last year. I think he's a serious threat on the grass as well. And then, yeah, going into the U.S. Open, I mean, to me, if Novak is healthy, the guy on hard courts is – unbelievable and again he's always the
0: favorite he's, he's always, always the favorite, the favorite. and he it, be.
1: especially at a major though that's that's my yeah. point at a major because in three out of five over two weeks i just i don't know if <laughs> i just don't know man i don't know i wouldn't no, I, I wouldn't fair. bet against it
0: that's fair no that's and, and and look look at the track record over the last decade or more i mean exactly <laughs> definitely on your side on that one but you know that that's why I asked this final question as well because they have been so dominant try to take them out of the equation here for a sec the next people who win a major who you know who are able to win majors the next one who does it who isn't one of the big guys who's won one, Will it be one of the young next-gen guys, or will it be someone of what we've called the lost generation? So your Gofen, your Nishikori, your Dimitrov, the people who are in that sort of 24, 25 to 30 range. Or will it be one of the Shapovalov, Felix, Zverev, young guys? Which What do you, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm higher on the next-gen guys. That lost generation to me, it's really frustrating with those guys. Um, and at this point, I don't see him doing it. I, I think to answer your question, it's going to be some you know one of the young guns. I really believe in that. I, I like their potential. Could it be Tsitsipas, Shapovalov, Francis? I mean, any one of those guys, you know, the GoFans. Um, we talk about the Dimitrovs, the Nishikoris, uh, the the Milos Raniches. The, Ranich, the yeah. The, the, those guys, game. to me, man, I just... They haven't been able to do it thus far. What's going to change now? I mean, their games Let's are... Help. I just... Those guys have been super frustrating. I mean, they've had some good moments in their careers. They've obviously won a lot of matches and such. But when it comes to the majors, they've all disappointed. And yeah, I I like I like the young guys. I mean, we've seen Tsitsipas make a semifinal already. Um, Francis has been in a quarterfinal. So these guys at a much younger age are already you know going deep. So I, I would I'd go with one of the young guns.
0: I think that's fair, and I, and I think if I were, you know, if I were betting big money on this, I think I would too. You know, the only one that I could, you know, maybe see getting hot and pulling one off is maybe Ronich. You know, on like Wimbledon or maybe something, you we'll, know, he did have that deep run. What about
1: know. what about Dominic Team at the French?
0: Yeah, you know, that's one big one too. That's that's my big take for anytime time Nadal's not in the picture, I want Team to win that.
1: French. Yeah, that that's a guy. <laughs> I mean, and he, I think. When Rafa does move on, I I do think Team will probably get a French Open. It's just the question is is he is he going to win it before one of the young guns wins one of the other ones? You know that I I don't don't know, know. but I think before it's all said and done, Dominic Team will win the French Open.
0: That's definitely true. Well all good things to think about. And, and, you know, as we wrap up here, just, just to let you guys know, um, and before we sign off, it does look like play has been suspended once again in Miami. Um, I'm away from the TV, but I'm going to assume it's due to the rain. Plushka and Halep only got to three all in that first (laughs) set before they stopped. So definitely a lot to be played in that match. And so hopefully if you're following our coverage in our next mini break as well, you will get caught up and know the results and end of that one. Uh, Matt, any final thoughts for us as we close this out and move through the rest of the tournament?
1: Not much, man. It's, it's disappointing to hear about that rain again. Hopefully we can have a couple clear, clear days and, and get this thing finished off. Cause uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to the semifinals, two young guns, two older guys that have been around veterans on tour. I think it's going to be super fun to watch. I'm excited about it. Um, yeah, that's about it, man.
0: Absolutely. It's going to be a blast either way. Um, it's going to be super exciting, the final, no matter what we see out of those semis. So I'll be watching and glued to the TV. Uh, Matt, I just want to say thank you again for coming on and helping me out in the lovely absence of Grosskin, who threw us into this spot. I'm just going to throw him under the bus one more time for everybody, for anybody listening. Uh, but thanks again, and we're going to check back in with you tomorrow on the next mini break. Matt, what do we say? That's a break. All right. Thank you very much.